Greetings and welcome to the Audio Tidbits Podcast Network. We hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Audio Tidbits Podcast. I showed up today expecting a few of the podcasting team to be here with us, ready to share their perspectives on this and that. Was I surprised? They are still out and about doing whatever they do when they are not here at the Audio Tidbits Podcast headquarters. I hope you aren't too disappointed. Fortunately I have some thoughts I have been pondering for a while and am happy to have a chance to share them with you. I think it was Thomas Edison who said that genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. It would be totally terrific if this aphorism were true but unfortunately, it is not. Since most people have a modicum of inspiration and only 1% is necessary, a lot of people have that requirement covered. Unless one assumes that people are inherently lazy and unwilling to work hard, the perspiration requirement is covered too. If the aphorism is right, genius should be quite common but it isn't. Louis Pasteur also tried to minimize the uncommon status of genius when he said, Let me tell you the secret that has led me to my goal. My strength lies solely in my tenacity. Napoleon joined the chorus of luminaries who perpetuate the myth that genius is little more than persistence and hard work. He said, victory belongs to the most persevering. Even Vince Lombardi sang a line from that song, the difference between a successful person and others is not a lack of strength, not a lack of knowledge, but rather a lack of will. The message is that perspiration, tenacity, perseverance, and an abundance of will are the basis for extraordinary performance and achievement. With a little more exploration, persistence, if you will, it turns out that Edison didn't actually believe that famous aphorism. He also said, being busy does not always mean real work. The object of all work is production or accomplishment and to either of these ends there must be forethought, system, planning, intelligence, and honest purpose, as well as perspiration. This may be paraphrased to suggest that if one starts with exceptional intelligence, adding forethought, system, planning, honest purpose, and perspiration makes extraordinary outcomes possible and perhaps even likely. The take-home point here is not complicated. Exceptional intelligence is a gift that is easily squandered if, having received the gift, we fail to combine it with tenacity, perseverance, and continuous perspiration. Edison made the point himself when he said, Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. J.C. Penney agreed, unless you are willing to drench yourself in your work beyond the capacity of the average man, you are just not cut out for positions at the top. Perhaps John Wooden captured the principle's essence when he said, don't measure yourself by what you have accomplished, but by what you should have accomplished with your ability. If the gap between have, and should is more than we are comfortable with, we may be coming up a tad short in meeting that 99% perspiration requirement. But let's assume that we are truly keeping our shoulder to the wheel, our nose to the grindstone as they say. Even with all that effort, something still seems to be missing. We are not yet quite making the grade. Let me suggest that the missing element may be wisdom. What we may need is a fuller perspective, a more complete grasp of our world. But how do we gain the wisdom we require? Our problem may be that we are limiting ourselves to the familiar, to the wisdom that is close at hand. If all we know and experience is what we have already known or experienced, the likelihood of becoming wiser, the likelihood of developing a richer understanding is somewhere between slim and none. 
It will help to take Walter Lippmann's observation to heart. When all men think alike, no one thinks very much. Lippmann also said, it requires wisdom to understand wisdom, the music is nothing if the audience is deaf. Combining these truths leads to an interesting perspective on how we might go about increasing our wisdom. First, associate with people who don't think alike, who don't think like us. Seek out divergent thinkers. If our quest for thinkers is successful, we will notice that there is a lot of thinking going on around us. The static in our world begins to transform into wisdom's music. But we are well advised to be careful. It's easy to be seduced by the symphony. Wisdom's music may not necessarily achieve the volume and fullness of the orchestra, the harmony and richness of the choir. As is true for the music of divergent cultures and societies, wisdom's music may not at first be recognizable by us as music at all. In fact, the more profound the wisdom, the less like music it tends to sound. Next, we need to take care not to confuse the music with the musician. Just remember Churchill's admonition that even a fool is right sometimes. That is why it's always wise to consider the advice before discounting the advisor, read the message before turning away the messenger, listen carefully to the music before dismissing the musician. Wisdom frequently doesn't come wrapped in a package clearly labeled, wisdom, handle with care. Conversely, the wisest among us are sometimes wrong and not everything that sounds like wisdom is wise. An additional nugget is embedded in Lippmann's counsel. There is plenty of wisdom to be experienced by limiting our preferences to certain types of music or musicians. Perhaps we only listen carefully at school or church. Maybe we primarily listen to people who look and sound like us. Possibly we are seeking wisdom mostly in books or from our elders. Maybe we restrict our listening to classical composers and shun bluegrass and rock and roll. However we limit our listening experience, the likelihood is that we will never notice what we are missing. We don't normally feel deprived of the wisdom we didn't hear. We are merely less wise than we might otherwise be. There is a most important caution here though. Not everything that seems like wisdom is wise, not everything that seems convincing is true, not all that glitters is gold, and on and on. There is a good measure of snake oil out there and we are well advised to take much of what we hear and experience with at least one or two grains of salt. I share this wisdom from Jay Conger simply to reinforce my point about those grains of salt. We have found that the most effective persuaders use language in a particular way. They supplement numerical data with examples, stories, metaphors, and analogies to make their positions come alive. That use of language paints a vivid word picture and in doing so, lends a compelling and tangible quality to the persuader's point of view. It would be easy to focus on the details of Conger's observation and miss the more interesting message. His emphasis on examples, stories, metaphors, and analogies indeed paints a vivid word picture and thus draws attention away from the compelling and tangible quality of the persuader's point which is to persuade, compellingly. The goal is to make us adopt a certain position, belief, or course of action. Sure, the persuader is trying to twist our arm. Were that not the plan, we wouldn't be seen as needing persuaded. William Bernbach had this take on persuasive arm twisting, the truth isn't the truth until people believe you, and they can't believe you if they don't know what you are saying, and they can't know what you are saying if they don't listen to you, and they won't listen to you if you're not interesting, and you won't be interesting until you say things imaginatively, originally, freshly. No one is going to buy the snake oil, no matter how fine it is, no matter how good it is at curing everything, 
until this salesman or saleswoman shows them his or her truth until they are persuaded. There is an old Chinese proverb that says, the tongue can paint what the eye can't see. And no less an authority than St. Thomas Aquinas advised, to convert somebody go and take them by the hand and guide them. Even Epicurus had a little guidance on pitching snake oil, although he likely smiled as he disguised it as philosophy. Human nature is not to be coerced but persuaded and we shall persuade by satisfying the necessary desires if they are not going to be injurious but if they are going to injure, by relentlessly banning them. The actual pitch might have gone like this, my friends, this genuine snake oil satisfies your most important and necessary desires to relentlessly ban potentially injurious demons from your lives, nigh, from the world as you know it. Now do you need some of that or what? Benjamin Franklin identified the cardinal element in persuasion, would you persuade, speak of interest, not of reason. Cicero when Franklin won better, nothing is so unbelievable that oratory cannot make it acceptable. And Joseph Conrad agreed, he who wants to persuade should put his trust not in the right argument, but in the right word. The power of sound has always been greater than the power of sense. There are just a few additional techniques the committed snake oil salesperson needs to round out his or her bag of persuasive tricks. Dale Carnegie suggested adding, there is only one way to get anybody to do anything. And that is by making the other person want to do it. How do skilled persuaders do that? Know that, according to Eric Hoffer, the real persuaders are our appetites, our fears and above all our vanity. The skillful propagandist stirs and coaches these internal persuaders. Lord Chesterfield offered this tidbit, he makes people pleased with him by making them first pleased with themselves. But Ralph Waldo Emerson gave this caution, that which we do not believe, we cannot adequately say. Even though we may repeat the words ever so often. It might be tempting to conclude that only those who passionately believe can passionately persuade. But there is still a lingering caveat. Don't ever underestimate the power of the dedicated snake oil huckster to persuade. I hope you have found my musings worth your time and consideration. I also hope they are more than mere snake oil. I will leave that judgment up to you. For now, thanks for stopping by. I hope you visit again soon. Please take care, be well and always do what you can to make a difference to people who make a difference to you.
Music by Kevin McLeod.